We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 521 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Ian Hilton, a 2-1 Shakhtar Donetsk win in the Champions League. Feels a lot like why I do the five headlines. There are good headlines, there are bad headlines, and there are those headlines right in the middle. So I think that's exactly what we're going to do today. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please do that right now, or give me a good rating if you're listening to this in your ears on any of the podcast apps. But before we get to those five headlines, one last thing. You know how picky I am with sponsors. So it is with great pleasure that this podcast is sponsored by Sane Pictures and their film Pele, Birth of a Legend. While this movie was made back in 2016, Pele, like Maradona, and then Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo someday, these figures and their stories are evergreen in the sport we love. And you know me and my love of history. I feel like we know the legends of the past. We know the broad details, Pele, Brazil World Cups, Santos. But I think what gets lost is the fact that all these legends tend to come from different places in different times. And there is so much leading to those moments we know about that we tend to forget. He was the only player to win the World Cup three different times. It feels like Brazil has always been a power in world football, but that's not the case. And this is the story of Pele's beginnings, how he became the football player the world grew to love, and how a teenager led Brazil to their first World Cup. It redefined what football could be, an attractive playing style, Hoga Benito, the beautiful game. So check out Pele, Birth of a Legend by Imagine Entertainment, the team behind Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, and Friday Night Lights, and Sane Pictures, founded by listener and fellow Kule, Ivan Orlik, with a musical score by two-time Academy Award winner A.R. Rahman. It's available to buy or rent most places you can settle in and watch a movie. That's Apple TV Plus through the iTunes Store and Amazon being the big ones. So again, thanks to Yvonne and Sane Pictures for sponsoring this video. You can follow at Sane Pictures on their IG page for more updates on other projects as well. And after you're done listening or watching this, and after you're done listening to this, make sure you check out Pele, Birth of a Legend. All right, now time for those five headlines. Headline one is standard of the group. Somebody asked me after the Athletic Club match the other day if I care about how the team plays and not just about the result. And after this match against Shakhtar, I'll reiterate what I said last week. I'm not really bothered about how the team is actually playing at this point in the season at all. We talk a lot about Xavi's project and Barca's faults and all that stuff, yada yada yada. But I just can't look past the fact that this squad is hopefully in no way the team that would need to win a must-win game in the Champions League in April. They look nothing like them at all, and I'm hoping they're not playing even if the players were the same as they were last season. Yes, there were injuries to the center backs in the Champions League, and that's one of the big reasons I think Barcelona crashed out, obviously. But 
as a total team, you think, well, the center back's not being as good, but the structure and Xavi's plan and all that stuff should at least look similar from October to April. But as we know, even starting in January, that it didn't. Things change. Players get better. Again, players get injured and go in and out, sure. But a team can kind of find themselves over the course of the season, or they find themselves completely lost, and all of those little pieces of venom and poison in a locker room can build up over the course of the year. Because from this starting lineup, we're just even talking personnel. I can't look past the fact that from a potentially ideal starting lineup, some combination of Kunde, Balde, who didn't start today, I know he played in the second half, but did not start this one, De Young, Gabi, Pedri, Rafinha, and Lewandowski were all missing from this starting 11 today. That's six to seven players out of the 11, so not counting Balde even. So I'm not going to apologize for not expecting this to be the best version of Barcelona. The job of this Barcelona in October of 2023 is to do what the last two seasons of Barca failed to do. Last year's failures in Europe still managed to win the Liga, which put them in pot one, which led to this Champions League group that isn't necessarily the best team in world football. But after Bayern Munich for the last few seasons, I'm fine with that. Barcelona won the Liga, and yeah, they got a little bit of luck, and you need a little bit of luck in the draw, but they got a group that befit the champions of Spain. That's what happened. And as you've heard me say time and time again, winning in your league is about consistency, talent, desire, and a little luck. But winning in Europe is a bunch of luck combined with mentality and top-level talent. So at this point in Europe and the Liga, it's about results and points and being in the position in January and February and later in the spring to win everything by playing your best football then, all with the hopes that this team is a lot healthier at that point too. All that to say, Shakhtar is having a down year by their standards and Barca is much deeper than they were last year. Hence why they did manage to take care of business tonight, but why some of my other headlines are not going to be so complimentary because Barcelona didn't play that well. Another thought I want to have just quickly for Shakhtar Donetsk, by the way, they're playing away from home this season, and I know this was the away of the home and away, but they are playing away from home this season due to the continuing war in Ukraine. Marion Pusik had just taken over. This is his first UCL match of his career, managerial career. So I just want to give a thought out to Shakhtar Donetsk because what they're even doing in the Champions League and their season. So they're really trying to defy the odds and how they're going about their season. But Barcelona too, history-wise, again, the group, Porto, Shakhtar, Donetsk, and we're Antwerp. I don't care who those names are, whatever it is. Barcelona, opponent be damned, have won their opening three games of a Champions League campaign for the first time since 2020-21. And someone who does this show, whether five headlines or, you know, over the summertime and whatever, and who does this thing, the Barcelona podcast, two to three to four, sometimes five when counting articles a week, 2020-2021, I was a different much younger, much even more naive man then than what I am now. I know that was in the post-pandemic era already, but you get the point. It was a long time ago thinking about this team and thinking about a project game in and game out. And as I said, it's not that impressive, especially against Porto, Shakhtar Ness, or Antwerp, but it's still a relief to have won all of those games. The three wins already are more than they had in the entire group stage last season. And yes, I know wins against Bayern or Inter Milan would have felt way more gratifying than a win against Shakhtar or that win against Porto, because both those games were by the slimmest margins of Barcelona's teeth, yes, but they still won those games, and they're still atop this group in a pretty good spot with Porto in second, still nipping at their heels, of course, but Shakhtar Ness or Antwerp now very much in the back mirror. Headline two is not exactly Jaws, but sharp enough. So yeah, this is a shark thing. It's about Ferran Torres. You know that. But this is more even a team thing, too. 
Barcelona at the 26th minute of this game had 55% possession to 45% possession against Shakhtar Donetsk. And I've already mentioned the concerns I've had with the chemistry between Gundogan and Orumeu. I don't know what it is. We're now, when we talk about evolving projects, we are now two months in to these two playing together and kind of getting to know each other. And it still doesn't seem... I'm talking about the space even. The space between those two just doesn't seem like it's fortified, like it makes any sense. And I think having Frankie de Young be such an important part of how they build Gundogan and what he relies on with Gabi and the same thing with Oro Romeo, what we know he can't do and how he relies on Gabi to not have Gabi or Pedri or Frankie de Young, it makes sense that Barcelona we're going to be missing control in this match because that's not Fermin Lopez, who obviously I'm going to talk about a lot in these five headlines. That's not his profile to control a match. And that's also not what he's been asked to do. So I'm not asking Fermin Lopez to beat Gavi. He was asked to be Fermin Lopez, which again, we'll get to, was a good thing. What I will say though, one of the things I found in the first half, especially when Barca were on the front foot, that press made a lot more sense with all of those front five, in theory, more on the same page in their more natural positions today than what we saw against Athletic Club. But I think the issue was, I said, about that spacing, even against Shakhtar Donetsk in the second, and what the intention was to do. Every time Kinsello or Laminia Mall or Fermi Lopez would find the ball at their feet on the counterattack, they would move the ball forward and they would do it quickly. So whenever they felt like they were being countered, the way out, and this is we've seen this with Balde on the left wing as well in the second half, Xavi says to these young players or Kinsello or Balde, the, the outside backs, get forward. Even out wide, go to the touchline, lose the ball in spaces that aren't necessarily going to hurt us. But the issue is, if you then don't have the rest of your team coming with you, and that space on that counter press, if you want to call it that, is closed down in enough time, that means that one pass, this is foreshadowing for the Shakhtar goal, by the way, one pass on your counter counter press, your Gegen press, again, there is a word for that. But that one pass on that Gegen press is going to break you down if everyone has not been able to press as a unit on that counter attack. And by that, I mean the rest defense on that counterattack. And it does feel like you're separating then. I like the press on the front five at times, but then you're also kind of leaving this team into two different groups of a four and then a six behind. So there's the front four with the three front attackers and then Fermi Lopez. And then you have Romeo and Gunwan to drop back, trying to defend on that counter with, again, your, your back four. And it just feels like you're breaking that in half. And when you have Cancelo going on his dances. Again, more on Cancelo later. And then you have Alonso or Balde being, are they high? Are they low? In different permutation, different phases of play. It does get things out of whack. And I think Barcelona definitely had some issues there. But back to the topic at hand, as rough as that was at moments, Barcelona were still on the front foot and still using their superior talent to be better throughout the first 30 minutes of that game. So the 28th minute, there was the goal that was offside and then onside. Gunawan to Fermin Lopez over the top, but Fermin hit the post against wonderful from Gunawan to deliver this in. He gets a lot of credit on this goal because it was onside. Then Ferran Torres on the finish, put all his laces behind it. Those really fun shots to see hit the back of the net when you really know you've put your full leg, the swing of your leg, the power behind your laces. You put it all through the ball and that is no shot for the goalkeeper. Those are the fun goals to score. Ferran Torres finishes one just like that. And in that first half, I really did think Barcelona were going to run away with it. I think it was totally fair too because the way they're possessing the ball. They had the benefit of playing that 3-2-5, again, that Xavi wants to play, putting a lot of pressure on that back line of the opposition. And that was much more evident that they were going to be able to play a 3-2-5 against a not-so-great Shakhtar side in comparison to challenges that Barca had with putting all those kinds of numbers forward against that athletic club press, where they could not risk putting that five along the back line of another team. And obviously, Athletic Club were good enough to play for the back and not five at the back. And Shakhtar... 
They looked like they were trying to play four at the back, but they were also dropping in. They actually midfield to defend at five at times, but Barcelona were able to also put Cancelo back into the middle of the field to deal with that, to deal with that extra man that they weren't worried about going wide because Barcelona were untroubled by those Shakhtar wingers. At least, again, this is all in the first half. But to sum up the not exactly jaws, but sharp enough, Ferran Torres got that first goal. We're going to talk about it in a second. Played a role in the second. It's not an amazing day. Ferran Torres probably shut out a brace or even a hat trick in this game. I thought he was influential. He was on the ball a lot. He was dropping in a lot. He was pressing hard. And I think for Ferran Torres, that's kind of what you ask of him. Lewandowski is injured. Rafinha is injured. And Lamini Ball is still learning. All those different things. So Ferran Torres, we ask you to play on the right wing. We're asking you to play in the center. Wherever... Xavi and that coaching staff is saying, we want you here. That is where Ferran Torres has gone. And I thought he was good enough today. So a thumbs up for me from Ferran Torres. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention, those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Headline three is full measure for me. So double thumbs up for me, for me, Lopez, who was deservedly the man of the match in this. Even from the opening whistle, you felt like Fermi Lopez, okay, this kid's feeling himself today. He was unlucky, and he was lucky. He made his own luck, which is what you want to see from a young player. He had that early chance that he missed from Oro Busquets. Barcelona kept it in on the high press, and I know that was a miss, but that was the first time where I repeated what I've been saying about him all season, is that I really like the positions that he puts himself in, in goal-scoring positions. Yes, he is a natural goal-scoring attacking midfielder or a winger or whatever. So yes, he's much more attack-minded than being a regular interior. But to play for Xavi, and I can't believe I'm saying this name again, but this is kind of the Ricky Puj argument. And Fermi Lopez, yes, he scores more than the way that kind of replacing the final ball that we expected Ricky Puj to have with the goal-scoring chance that Fermi Lopez is taking. The positions that they took on the field are very similar. You still watch Ricky Puj, well, at least I do, with the LA Galaxy. And he gets farther forward. He is their attacking midfielder. Very much the way that Fermi Lopez was for Barcelona today and is every time he comes on the field when he's not being asked to be a false nine or a winger. So this was interior, high interior Fermi Lopez today. And he just puts himself in positions that Ricky Puj didn't. And much like Puj, even on that rest defense and that work rate and things like that, He's in a much better rest defense positioning, and he's able to cut out counterattacks to a better effect. He still is missing a ton of learning to do in that category, and I think that's why Xavi wouldn't just like start him against Real Madrid. Because the idea is, well, kid on Wednesday had a man-of-the-match performance. Yeah, I know there's Gabi, but with the way Oro Romeo is playing, why wouldn't you sit Oro Romeo and have Gabi? I mean... He's been fine as a pivot, or you have Gunnar play the pivot, and then you have Gabi and Fermi Lopez as your interiors. Why would you not do that? Well, the answer is because when you lose the ball, Fermi Lopez, by being in those positions he's in going forward, or at least he's not always in the right positions, he, he's trying to take too many of those positions forward that you can't trust him, but, but he is leaving space in behind, and he's not always prepared to defend in the positions he needs to be to defend. But in the first half against a team like Shakhtar Donetsk, who just kept losing the ball in bad positions and we're not doing that press very well. Fermi Lopez was absolutely a difference maker here. And he deserved the goal he got. 36 minute, the 2-0 comes. Inigo Martinez, wonderful line-breaking pass to Ferran Torres. I'll repeat that again. When I say about the level, it was also a question about whether or not Christensen, I know I'm kind of doing some El Clasico preview now. I'll do a bunch of that later in the week, of course, as we near that match. But Inigo Martinez, that question of him or Christensen, who should start next to Araujo for El Clasico, and Ian Martinez's form has deserved it. But again, I think the things that he has done at a, such a high level are almost an exaggerated version of what I thought Eric Garcia would do well last season. He's really good on the ball. He carries the ball as well as you'd want a center back to carry it into different passages of play when teams are playing in a medium to low block. And even against Athletic Club, we saw a, a good physical game from him. But yes, he does leave a little bit of things wanting in his positioning against higher level competition. So I wouldn't start him against Real Madrid, but I'm also not sweating it if Xavi does and says, hey, this guy's in form. This is the guy we're going to go with. Again, his line-breaking stuff, that'll work against Shakhtar Donetsk more often, but that, that'll also work against Real Madrid. That'll also work against Athletic Club. It doesn't matter. And Diego Martinez is really good on the ball. But back to why I'm praising him so much, that line-breaking pass to Ferran Torres, who positionally, we're talking about positions being the problem, but he was close enough to Jao Felix at that time, that being Ferran Torres, that allowed Fermin Lopez to make that run off of their central positioning 
and that meant it was easy for Fermin to shape his body to receive the ball and push forward right into the move to set up his shooting motion. He still had a lot of work to do, but it was just perfect buildup, and Jao Felix gets no credit. Didn't touch the ball, wasn't really a part of this, but his positioning next to Ferran Torres gave Torres the space that he needed to receive from Inigo Martinez and have enough space and time to grab his wits to immediately find Fermi Lopez, who is also making the run and setting himself up in position. So that's great stuff all around from Barcelona on the goal. And again, most impressive for me from Inigo to start it and Fermi to finish it. The stats are in his favor too. By the end of the first half of the nine shots that Barca had taken, four had come for Fermin and two of the four had gone on goal. And that's one of those little things with attackers or forwards or goal scorers, whatever, that you want to see. If you put that thing on frame, again, good luck finds you. So Fermin Lopez, two of the four were on goal. Good things were going to happen. It was unfortunate that both Ferran Torres was offside in the second half, as was Fermin Lopez offside for that winning header. But yeah, a header for Fermin Lopez. Like you see that picture of him when he was like 13, 14, 15 years old. And the other guys look like they're clocking in, clocking out for their shift down at the factory in their 40s. And Fermin Lopez, I mean, this is like the U16s or whatever, I know. But they were 16-year-olds and he did not look 16 at that time. So for Fermin Lopez to not only grow in himself, but now even be an option off headers and things, like it's just, it's so astonishing to me, the leap that, not only his body took that, but he has taken as a player. So awesome for Fermi Lopez. I, I'm glad that I can look back at this match and say, hey, Fermi Lopez got you three points in the Champions League group stage. That's awesome because now I expect Lewandowski and Pedri and Gabi and De Jong and Araujo and Kunde and Ter Stegen and Gundogan and your real stars. I want them to win multiple games. But if you get three points because Fermi Lopez is the best player on the field, I'll take that any day of the week. Headline four is Portugal burnout. This is all about Cancelo and Jao Felix because I'm seeing a lot of criticism of them and their issues as players or they didn't do this, they didn't do that. Jao Felix needs to be more clinical. Cancelo needs to be a better defender. I'm seeing those different things. And I think there's a bit of truth in the narratives of players that we already have, which is true. Like Cancelo is, I mean, he's an attacker. He's a winger in a right back's body, if that's what you want to call it. And so when he gets forward and is incisive, Barcelona's putting the ball in the back of the net and he doesn't have to worry about defending. Or they're keeping possession so long in the attacking third and that press is all clicking that, again, he doesn't have to worry defending on the counterattack. But it seemed like today, to me, Cancel, this isn't defending him. He has his issues. But I felt like today were more about a lack of rest, a lot of a lack of rotation for him than it was more about systemic issues with Barcelona and what he doesn't do defensively. The first time this kind of popped up to me was in the 25th minute. He makes this move. Shot goes right at the keeper. And it just looked like, I know I always bring up the basketball, but the NBA started yesterday. How can you blame me for this? But when shooters are short on shots, especially late in games, and you know that it has something to do with their fitness or they're playing too many minutes, and you see that in overtimes a lot of the time. And it felt like that shot. And so many times with Kinsella in this game, he had that dribble move where he lost the ball in the 79th minute. And, and Shakhtar Donetsk could have gotten an equalizer in that moment, but he felt sloppy in this game. And there was that moment, I think, in the first half, too, when he tried to make a move. The ball just kind of rolled away from him. But instead of jumping immediately on the press with Lamine Mall, he kind of allowed the Shakhtar Donetsk player to almost surprise themselves that how much time and space that they had, and they weren't getting any pressure other than Lamine Mall, who was coming back to press from a position that wasn't goal side of the Shakhtar Donetsk player. And all those different moments made me think that Cancel was just kind of conserving his energy and he's kind of run out of gas, which is not good for El Clasico, by the way. Or maybe he was going in second gear with already an eye on El Clasico. That would be hopefully my conspiracy theory that I'm hoping would be correct. Jao Felix today also coming off injured just since they've arrived. 
Those guys have played and played and played and played and played. Kinsella has played 90 minutes in every match for over a month. Mora Antwerp, he was taken out in the second half, which was over a month ago. And since that time, he's played 90 minutes in every match. Missing Roberto for just the last 15 minutes of this match, even, to come in and play right back. And having Kunde there. You could have, obviously, if Roberto and Kunde are both healthy, you throw Kunde on, and then you move Araujo, or Kunde plays right back, and you close out that match by giving Cancelo a rest in preparation of El Clasico. I just think he's been playing too much. And I'd rather say that at this juncture in the season, especially when he is playing too much and playing 90 minutes, game in and game out, international break with Portugal and all those minutes, then be that concerned about Barcelona structurally having issues, defending a counterattack, down his wings, and different things like that. I think Xavi has already adapted to the issues with Cancelo by taking him out of the middle of the field in a lot of different circumstances, including the second half against Shakhtar Donetsk. That middle position he had when Barcelona were on the front foot, they stopped doing that in the second half. Not to defend that lead, but because it just wasn't working. And he wanted Cancelo to stay farther out wide to the touchline as Lamini Mall was also slowing a little bit. It was nice to see Mark Yu, which I know a thousand people have given me pronunciations on, and Mark Casado, but I would have really liked to see Hector Fort make his Champions League debut coming on for Cancelo. Or you put Pau Caparsi, you give him his Champions League debut, debut, and you move Araujo out at the right-back spot if that was really the issue. But I didn't like to see Cancelo playing 80 minutes today. I would have even had Balde play right-back and leave Alonso on. So those are all the permutations. I, to me, priority number one would have been giving him some rest and rotation, but maybe the physios and Xavi know more than me, but I don't know. There's also half the team is injured, so <laughs> I don't know who I can trust at this point. And headline five is easy to diagnose. I know people will look at the counterattack and the, what they want to say, large systemic issues with this team, and I will concede this. As I said before, a horizontal pass on the ground in their own half should not have gotten Shakhtar Tanesk in such a good spot to score the goal they scored. But a bunch of guys then had to make bad decisions for this goal to happen. I wonder, did Araujo communicate that he was going to pinch out on the wing? He usually does. He's a great communicator. But did he communicate that before he made that pinch out to the right wing? Did he have to do that, by the way? Or could he have just stayed on that line, closed out that angle, and used his superior physical tools to make sure that no shot got off? Did he have to pinch on the wing in that moment? Ter Sagan probably could have better shut down that angle on Sudikov's shot. Probably could have come out a little earlier, closed down the angle a bit better, didn't, and it's a goal. But Oro Romeo, that's who we're talking about here on this goal. He lost the man. He was goal side, and then he wasn't. That can't happen. Even if he takes the yellow in that circumstance with a shirt pulled down. I mean, even if it's a red, if you're that far behind. He just got beat in a way that you can't get beat in the Champions League, regardless of the competition. Or La Liga. It doesn't matter the competition. You can't get beat like that. And if Araujo has already gone out wide, then you got to just sprint right to goal even. Like, you got to put yourself in a position to be able to defend. Whether he's been playing too many minutes too, I know Xavi does take him out around the 60th minute of games he starts. So I don't know if maybe Orumeu, if you're going to call him old, you're going to call me old, but maybe he has already played a bit too many minutes. He doesn't have those miles and speed left in the second half of these games if he's already played the first half. And I want to mention too, Cancelo at that point, obviously having a snack upfield because Barcelona had possession on a counter, counterattack. And as I said, there were issues with the gag and press for Barcelona in this game. And I do hate to pin a goal on just one player. But to me, if I'm assigning blame here, that's like 85% Romeo, 5% Araujo, 5% Ter Stegen, and 5% everybody else who didn't stop that counter earlier when Shakhtar Donetsk, again, took one pass to get out of their own half. All that to say about what's easy to diagnose, that's a good thing to me heading into El Clasico. My bigger issue with El Clasico is all the walking injured. There are great players that Barcelona has. Again, half of their starters might be available. Well, half of the half of those starters that aren't available might be available. Lewandowski, Pedri, 
Rafinha. We don't know about any of their status. De Young apparently up in the air. Like, it depends on what you read and when you read it. Who's going to be available? How much are available for? But if this is the team that Barcelona have to face Real Madrid with, they're not going to be, talent-wise, on paper, as good as Real Madrid. But I don't think the structural issues that people are worried about against Real Madrid are really that apparent. But I want to get into more of that with a preview later in the week. So look out for that. Because as always, you know where to find me. It's all down in the show notes in the description, whether you're listening or watching. Subscribe or give me a good rating. That's always the most helpful way to help me out and help make sure that I keep doing these things as well as help me out on Patreon. So shouts to all of them and those that have continued to even sign up after all these years as well. Thanks and shout to those new Patreon. Most importantly though, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Sports Bars. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.